Is your website your top salesperson or is it falling flat? This episode, I'm chatting with Lean Labs founder Kevin Barber about how you can build a website destined to draw in visitors and convert them into leads and customers. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news. You're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I am your host, Mallory Kuhn, and today I am chatting with Lean Labs founder and head of growth, Kevin Barber. Hi there, Kevin. How are you? Hey, what's going on? I'm excited for this. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really great chat. I'm excited to, to pick your brain on this topic. So, um, But let's start with the basics, um, some building blocks here to get started. Um, for first-time listeners or listeners that aren't familiar with your background, um, can you tell us a little bit about your specific background in website design and kind of specifically how did you come to identify what's wrong, you know, in the way most people think about web design? Sure. So... Uh, I'm Kevin Barber. I'm founder and head of growth at Lean Labs, and we help companies make their marketing profitable so that they can scale. And uh, before Lean Labs, I was a, I was a web shop for ten years, and I built uh, well over a hundred websites. And the fact is, is that only a few of those websites took off. I had a couple seven figure websites and a couple eight figure websites, but that's in a decade. Yeah. Right. So uh, so therefore, that means that nine out of the 10 websites that I built did not really do a lot. And there's two reasons, two reasons. The first reason is they thought they just needed a website at that phase of the market. You thought, oh, if I just launch a website, people will magically find it and everything will happen. But a website is a file in a drawer. We all know this. It's 2023 coming into 2024 <laughs> soon. And uh, and like we know this, right? You can't just launch a website and leave it. Uh, but, but that's not the only thing that happened. Okay. Uh, the second thing that happened in, in, upon, and I had to grow in order to look back because I was party to this, I was party to it, as uh, I made a website that had what my customer wanted on it. Whoops. <laughs> that is not the goal. That is not the job. Right? The job is to make the website that my customer's customer wants on it. And the website is not, your website is not about you. It's about them. <laughs> it's about yeah. them and the person that you're serving and their problems and their questions and their goals and their challenges and the way that you are helping them get the result that they want and why they're struggling to get it other ways. That's what your website's about. And once we figured that out, we had one of the key components of growth. So uh, that's my background. Yeah. Well, and that actually, that's a great uh, way to end that answer because it dovetails perfectly into what I want to talk about next, um, which is, you know, what are the key components of a high traffic website? Um, if you had to like pick out the building blocks, what are the key components that have to be there? Right. So, um, so look, the, the fact is, is that we're, we are trying to have a website be our number one salesperson, right? And, and it's kind of the setter, 
because you're going to probably still have your salespeople as closers. But if the website can set up your brand, set up your positioning, set up your message, and have people have some awareness to you, that makes them far more receptive with the right offers and all the right components to, to, to bridge that gap to sales for it to bring you a steady pipeline of sales qualified leads, right? So think about it like this. We need, we need to switch out of that salesman's mindset because otherwise you're just going to make a big brochure of like, here's right. my stuff. Do you want to buy it? Right. <laughs> we got to move to a different metaphor that the website is the engine and all of your marketing is the fuel. So look, you can have good fuel, put it in a bad engine and you're not going to go nowhere. Right. Right. So like the, the thing you got to do is you got to recognize that the components are having good fuel in a good running engine. Right. And how do you know if you have a good running engine? Well, you go look at the analytics. You go look at the uh, conversion rate and the um, and the performance of all your key pages, your home page, your meeting page, your demo page, your trial page. And you compare that to benchmarks. And if you need to know the benchmarks, we have that in our growth grader. You can Google Lean Labs growth grader. We go to benchmarks. OK. And but the deal is, is you have to have good engine and a good fuel. And the in, in, in the fuel is normally content. Why would we care about content? We care about content because our customer's customer cares about content. They went on the internet looking for answers. So therefore, you need to provide answers if you want to be found on the internet. That's kind of how it works. Right, exactly. You know? and, and inside of that, there's three types. There's, there's ads where you're paying to get your message out. Right. There's a few different kinds of ads, of course. Right. There, there's organic, which has two cat categories. You could call it social, which is where you're on the major content platforms. Right. YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, yeah. Twitter, TikTok, etc. Right. right. The list um, goes on. Right. <laughs> right. Instagram. Now threads. Yeah. It's never I, I ending. my profile, but I haven't done anything yet. Um, <laughs> and that's the deal. And then SEO, which is ranking organically within Google, the number one search engine on the Internet where people go to search for things. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then the third kind of content, just so you know, it oftentimes uh undervalued is what I'm going to call joint venture, but you could call it affiliated. Basically, you're doing things with friends that get you invited to audience. That's like being a guest on a podcast that's not yours, right? Or it's like, uh, we'll talk about this move later, but like when I joined the HubSpot partner program and right. what that opened us up to, okay? I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later today. I'll bring me back to it, okay? Okay. <laughs> um, and on the website side, is like you got to look at it like an engine and you got to make sure that you're not just putting fuel into the carburetor, but what goes from the carburetor. Yes, I'm dating myself carburetors, <laughs> but makes it into like you got you got to go all the way through and all the way out the exhaust with a customer on the other end. And the fact is, most companies are marketing decent fuel into a bad engine, an engine that has not proven reliably to take fuel in and give thrust and momentum out in the form of sales qualified leads and customers. That's the problem, you know, and, uh, and putting in, it's a math problem and you never want math against you. If you're putting good fuel into a bad engine, it will not be profitable. I'll save you a year. Right, right. Yeah, because right. so many now, businesses what, waste a full year doing that, right? Just continuing to try different types of bad fuel and or great fuel in the same kind of bad engine. And, right. And and let's break that down for a second. Okay. Four four deals. All right. Your content is bait. So um, it's bait. Just like 
if you if you were out there um, fishing, right? You, you need to have yeah. bait in the water that the fish want. They will swim to the bait. If you know your customer, you will know what bait they want, right? If you don't know your customer, we have a process of going through that. You need to uh, discover your ideal customer, how they think and feel. Not the one that's ready to buy, but the one that's ready to find you. That's an earlier stage customer. Yeah. Okay. And then inside of that bait, you must have a hook. Otherwise, you're just putting stuff out there. Right. And the hook is what brings them into a relevant next step. It doesn't matter if it's an ad, doesn't matter if it's a blog post, it doesn't matter if it's a ranking page, doesn't matter if it's a webinar. It has to have a hook that moves them to the next step. And then inside of that hook, when they click or sign up or whatever they're doing in the hook, because this metaphor can be applied a few ways. There's going to be a story. The story is about how uh, it's your story, but it's about them. They're going right. to find themselves in your story. The only story you can tell is the story where they find themselves in the story. Exactly. Right? They're the hero, not you. If you're the hero, right. they're not interested. Yeah. So when you explain where you have struggled in the past to accomplish a certain result, it's because you're explaining where they're struggling today. Right. And they're going to find themselves in your story and you're going to and you're going to show that you hit a wall and you weren't getting the result you wanted. So you went on a journey to find a better way to do it that became your company. Right. So we decided to try it this way. And at first it was hard, but then we figured, boom, whatever that thing is that you do, that's awesome. We figured that out. And, and because of that, this piece fell in place, this piece fell in place, this piece fell in place, and we have this example of a result and this example of a result, and then we systemized it into this framework or this ideology or this process, and that's what you market. You market the process by which you get a result that other people just can't seem to get, right? And ideally, that's a result that outperforms the competitors in your market. And what, what is marketing? It's actually telling that story and making it relevant to your target audience, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and then, of course, after the story, what's the point of a story unless you have another next step, right? So, and that's 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 the, that's normally the offer. What's the most valuable, most immediately valuable and relevant next step to what we're doing? Right. And uh, and that's basically the deal. I'll give you the story for where I learned this and I ingrained it in my into my soul. It was it was actually more than 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the deal is, is that I was my very first entrepreneurial thing while I was in college was actually a network marketing. And we were doing in-person events where you rented a hotel room and you set up chairs and you had music and you welcomed the speaker to the stage. And uh, and then you would give basically your story and your pitch. And my mentor, who was making like $250,000 a month, I wow. thought two fifty dollars a year would be amazing, uh, asked me something. We were setting up some chairs. He said, Kevin, what's the purpose of this event? And I was like, uh, sell lots of stuff. Yeah. He's like, kind of a no. And I'm like, ah, Phil, get butts in all these seats. Like the purpose of the event is to get a lot of people in here because that's like a leading indicator, you know, that we're going to sell lots of stuff. He's like, kind of, but no. He's like, the purpose of an event, Kevin, is to build for the next event. We are in the momentum business. And it's like, and if you can bring people to one valuable event that sets up another valuable event that sets up the next valuable event, you know what that makes you? A really great marketer. 
You know, like that's basically the game. And if we're not thinking about our website like that, then you're not going to win. Right. Yeah. So that's why we do traffic. That's why we do leads. That's why we do nurture. That's why we're documenting results. That's why we're building reputation because it sets up all of those next events. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I think that's such great foundational information. And I think uh, I want to touch on a few points a little more in depth. Um, So you mentioned SEO and SEO is, of course, we all know that's like, one of the big games here. <laughs> so let's talk SEO a little a little more in detail. How important is SEO when it comes to driving traffic specifically and um, you know, for for our more action-based learners in the audience, can you give some examples, some tactical advice um, for effective SEO on B2B yeah. websites specifically? Yeah, and let's talk about why SEO for just a second. Yeah. All right. So I worked with companies doing largely advertising for years and I learned something. Uh, Every time you double the budget, you do not get a double return most of the time. Okay, so it does not scale. It's a great way to test your stuff. I mean, 30 days in, you know, is this is this mediocre or is this, you know, marvelous, right? You will know because your wallet will tell you. Okay, right. Uh, That's a great way to do it. But it's hard to double and double it again. Whereas with SEO, while it starts a little slower, it's like planting seeds. You have to water it and you have to nurture it and you have to make sure you're doing all the right stuff. Once you start to see that sprout, well, you're just planting seeds all the time. And over a period of quarters and years, you have a, you have a, a forest just yielding fruit again and again and again. We are literally getting business from blog posts, one in particular that we wrote in 2016. Yeah. Right. Now I do want to, I want to caveat that with, we've updated it a few times, keep it fresh. Right. Right. There's one blog post in particular that we wrote, golly, not long from a decade ago, (laughs) you know, like, and, uh, and it has brought us hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in business at least. Yeah. Okay. Now the deal is, is that in time inside of SEO, there is a key strategy that I would like to give you. It's a little bit of a, uh, I'm being slightly facetious here, but this is the key strategy. The way to win on SEO is to deserve to rank, right? So it is a competitive game. It's a competitive game. And and the overarching strategy is that because only 10 will fit in the top 10, I must deserve. Hands down, undisputably, I must deserve to be in the top 10. And if you want traffic, we're talking about the top five. Right. And that's where you need to basically live. So when we want to get actionable on SEO, right, what we got to think about is first off, understanding the level that you're at, because I think that the the thing that we uh, we had to get humbled in this, just being honest uh, and remember this all the time, is that when we're thinking about SEO, it's a competitive game and you have an authority score with HubSpot. It used to be public and you could see exactly what it was. Now you're using third-party tools and various proxies to kind of figure out what your level of trust is with Google. Um, But you cannot generally rank against people who have a massively higher level of trust. You're not going to likely outrank Wikipedia, HubSpot, the New York Times. Right. Yeah, that's a right. tough putt. <laughs> right. So so what's going to happen? You're you're a who's this? Never heard of this website. You're not going to displace those brands. So what you got to do is you got to find the green grass. You got to find the articles that 
uh, the New York Times didn't write, that Wikipedia yeah. has it covered well for your target audience and you crushed that. So what that generally means is we're being more niche, more specific. But here's the deal. If you write specific topics from your area of expertise, you can create it, you can rank it, you can crush it, you can own it. You can own that seat for a long time because it comes directly from your area of expertise. But it's not just writing about what you want. The reason why SEO is fun and is awesome is because if you do this right, you're writing around what your target buyer wants. And you can actually attract customers based upon where they're at in the buyer journey, right? So when you're running ads, you're just heading people. You don't yeah. know if they're trying to solve this problem. You don't right. know if they've looked at alternatives. You don't know <laughs> if they if they have buy-in in their organization. But with SEO, you do. Because yeah. if someone is looking for alternatives to blank, right? Let's say that you're looking for a new communication tool. You're looking for alternatives to Slack. Well, just the fact that they're typing alternatives to Slack into Google tells you a lot about what the intent is of that person. Right. right. Uh, and if they want to look at a comparison, Slack versus what's a competitor to Slack, uh, Campfire Chat, is that still around? Oh, maybe. Versus maybe. you, if you have a new innovative tool that makes Slack less noisy, right? <laughs> um, then then what happens is, is like you can create that comparison and you can slot yourself right in there and you know that that person is comparing Slack to other tools. Like right. you have so much intent data with that to choose your topics you know, wisely, uh, you know, you know what they're looking for. When someone types in uh, HubSpot CRM reviews, what are they doing? They're considering HubSpot as their CRM. They are. Yeah. So you can go for that topic if it's relevant to your, to your brand and your business. So that's why I love SEO. It has two things. One, you get to target people exactly where you want them. Right. And then two, it compounds. I can write this if I have a steady stream of creating valuable content every every week, every month, every quarter, and I do that for years, I will be making money from stuff I did years ago. That tends not to happen with ads. Right. Because right? once you turn that, the, the hose off, the water stops with the ads, right? right? And, yep. and, and you could argue that doesn't happen with social media, but it's not true because over time you build a following. You build a following that will, of course, the size of your following is kind of what, there's a snowball effect that brings you a bigger following. Oh, this person has 1.2 million yeah. uh, followers. Must I must, Let me follow, must yeah. be and click the button. Yeah. So it doesn't matter that they hired an agency to get them, you know, 0.9 million followers from <laughs> some obscure country where advertising was cheap. Um, but, uh, but the fact is, is we pay attention to that as a metric. Um, and, uh, and the exposure that you get from it is there. So, so that's why some of these organic channels are really what's driving the business, not to mention that the ad platforms do change the rules every so often. So it's a, it's SEO is an evolving game, but ads is a twist and turning game all of the time, you yeah. know? So, and I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't be doing both. The question is, is what should you be doing now? Right. right. And that's going to be different for different brands. So there's a there's a little bit. I'm just going to take one one step into the pool about knee depth on that. We can go deeper if you want. It's up to you. Yeah, I like it. I think I think that's great. Well, because, you know, um, it, it is about what you're doing now and you should be doing a combination of things and stuff. But uh, I think the important thing with the organic and the SEO is uh, like it's that old proverb, right? 
the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. And I think those long game things, you do want to start them a little sooner, right? If you, if you can. Well, let's go into that for a second. When's the right time to do this? Is there such a thing as too early? And is there such a thing as too late? And the answer is yes. Okay. So when's the time that's too early where you don't have any converting offers. So you're going to spend all this time putting fuel into a bad engine. We already talked about this. Right. Right. You have no next steps. You don't have no offers. You have no idea if they convert. Don't spend a year doing SEO only to find out that it's not working. That sounds painful. Right. Bringing right? Not, thousands of not, people to a blog page that goes nowhere is it does it helps. Not that I've ever had to live <laughs> that myself. Oh, not that that would ever have happened. But because I've lived this, I want to save you from it. Right. I'm not sure yeah. if it's a podcast or a rant. But the deal is, is that. You, you can't don't go out and invest in a multi-quarter, you know, marketing deal because you're not going to rank day one, right, for, for anything of substantial value. Don't go into a multi-quarter marketing campaign if you don't know if what you're driving people to works. Don't do that, yeah. right? Uh, even if you need to just do some break-even at best paid advertising to validate that your stuff works, then you can go and go, okay, now... I'm going to get a head start on my competition because, frankly, uh, yeah, it's like the gym. Um, If you develop the habit in your 20s, you're going to likely be in better shape than someone only develops the habits in their 30s. And then that person's going to likely be in better shape than the person that only develops the habit in their 40s. And the person who develops the habit in their 50s is just trying to get to where they were in their 40s. That's like that's that's probably all that's in the cards. You know, um, and the deal, unless they like literally just make that their purpose. Right. right. And uh, and I don't think that you're probably going to make ranking on Google your purpose, although right. you can when you find traction, double down. Yeah. You want to have a profitable growth loop where you can double your investment because it's paying for itself. But the but the deal is you don't want to wait until it's way too late. You want to get started early um, to start building that domain reputation because it takes quarters, so not long. weeks. Yes. Well, got it. And that's great. That makes total sense. And that's, I feel like that's a really great, um, you know, tangible takeaway for, for our listeners on SEO. I want to move to talk a little bit about, um, the website itself, the pages, um, and specifically user experience. Um, so user experience is critical, uh, when we're talking about attracting and especially though retaining website visitors. So, what are some UX design principles um, that B2B marketers should be focusing on if they want to improve their traffic and engagement? Right. Let me go one step above UX, and then we'll come into UX itself. Yeah. So uh, one step above UX is is what makes the website work is not the, the pixels that you have, like how pretty they are, whether you have, you know, motion interactive elements. It's not it's not the color of the buttons or the 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 hover state of them. Uh, what it is, is it's the buyer journey and the messaging. Right. And yeah. how well did you make the uh, the buyer journey of your website for your target market? Is is your target market problem aware or solution aware? Right. Or are they aware of you? Because the only time to make a brochure website is when you're bringing people that are ridiculously warm, if not hot. They already know you. They already not like you. They already trust you. They're pretty sure they want to buy from you. A brochure work website works for that. that. That's for word of mouth people. Or let's say you have a really successful YouTube channel where everyone learns to know you, like you, trust you, to know what you're about. Now they could just come to your brochure website, see your features, see your pricing, and buy or book a meeting or whatever your offer is, right? For everyone else, you're probably bringing people in 
who are only problem aware and probably not aware of you or your solution. And and they're just comparing you to all of the alternatives. And when you just have a so even when you just have a brochure website, you're expecting them to do all the work, right? All of the caloric load of figuring out how are you different or are you different? Right. And what happens is, is their brain has a calorie meter and, and, and it goes, man, this is going to take a long time. Let's just go somewhere else. Yeah. Right. And, you, and you'll lose that person unless you go, I'm bringing people that are only aware of the problem. They're not aware of the solutions. They don't see how we fit in. So therefore, I will make my buyer journey about that. Right. And if you connect with them on the problem and what I like to market a lot is the problem with the alternatives. Why are they not right. successful? with the other solutions that they have tried. And then I'll show them the the fundamental missing pieces because that's what we focus on to get results, right? And that's what every company does, whether you think so or not. If you're outperforming the competition, you you narrowed in on the missing pieces that the competitors have not yet caught wise, wiseness to, and you have a system that goes around the friction that, they're, that others are experiencing today. And that's what you market. You market that thing that you found that is delivering superior results and you market the proof of those results. That's what, that's what you're marketing. Uh, so at the, at the high end it's buyer journey, right? Uh, if you do not have a buyer journey that you can't articulate, I'm bringing in this cold customer and this is how I'm warming them up. This is how I take a warm customer, move them to a, to a hot page, someone who's, who's quite more interested and possibly ready to meet. And I demonstrate the value of the meeting then your website's not going to be successful because you can't sell your product if you can't sell a meeting. Yeah. Okay. That's the first level. Second level. Uh, when we go into, um, you know, thinking about UX, we got to recognize that today, uh, probably 50% of your visitors and depending on your use case, possibly more are on their phone. Right. Right. So this affects the the length of your content, the depth of that content, the way it's displayed. The fact is people want to scroll and you need hooks down the page to re-grab their attention and move them to a valuable next step. So you got to think about not just having great content, but if you have Lord <laughs> of the Rings length content and you're trying to deliver that on a mobile device and you didn't plan for that in advance, it's going to fail just from formatting. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that's basically the deal. My guess is not many people have watched The Lord of the Rings on their phone. You are probably right. That you would know what be I mean? a, a long experience holding your phone up like that. <laughs> right. It would, it would have had to have been plugged in. I'll tell you that. All right. So that's the deal. Um, so like we got to think about this, right? And, and then the fact is, is that like if you're playing the SEO game, Google is actually scoring you on how well your website performs on desktop right. and on mobile. Right. And those are core web vitals. And if you're going to rank in SEO, you're going to play that game because Google's not sending their traffic to to underperforming websites. Google has competitors, too. Right. So they can't give you a bad experience and expect you to come back. So they're giving traffic to people that have demonstrated to Google that you are delivering a great experience. One of those is having a snappy, fast loading, mobile optimized website, which is what you do inside of the core vital scoring system. Right. And if you're not familiar with that, it, um, ask your geek friends um, that play on build websites about core vitals. And you can at least go score your set website completely for free. Cool. All right, sweet. That's the deal there. That's kind of a dip into it uh, in terms of the UX side of it. But at the end of the day, I beg of you, 
don't go make a great website. Go make great wireframes. Go make great wireframes. Great, create a great buyer journey and great wireframes. Wireframes is like a you could you could do wireframes in a uh, in a notebook that doesn't have lines on it. You could just draw out the sections of the website and you need to think very strongly about how that serves your target customer. When your web wireframes crush it, you have a message and sections of a page that your target buyer, who's not yet ready to buy, but they're looking to solve a problem or achieve a goal, gets pulled in and they can go right to the right sections of the right pages and those advance them forward, you're going to win. No? Yeah. And then it becomes this question, are you guessing or not? If you're guessing, right. it still may not be time to build a $100,000 super premium website. It might be time to go test that message and see if it works. And when you know that it works, that's when you go, okay, okay, now I can go ahead and slide more chips onto the table because I'm not guessing. I know that this works. Right. Uh, that's when you elevate. Back up. Right. I have, I have validation that this is the message that my market wants, right? Uh, that, we call that message market match. Right. I have an offer that actually books meetings with the right potential buyers that we call that offer market fit. And when you have that, that's when you can go elevate everything with a killer website. Until then, we need to be looking at what high growth companies did to get started. And they didn't go spend six months and six figures on a big website and a giant SEO campaign to find out a year later if it was working. They, right. they did That's some early way to fail. <laughs> they did some early go to market testing in advance to gave them the signals that they knew they were ready for that. And a lot of times we skip that step. We just look at what those companies are doing today and think we should be doing the same thing. Well, we have the same goals, but we're not at the same stage. So what we got to work on is different. Yeah. Yeah. It's like trying to train, uh, do a, you know, jump right into running, uh, with the training program of like a marathon runner, right. You wouldn't be able to, to succeed. You're setting yourself up for failure. Um, I want to dive a little bit, uh, more again, just to give our our listeners a, a kind of a tangible example, something to hang on to. Um, do you have an example of a time you can share where, you know, optimizing a site I'm thinking specifically for mobile, um, resulted in some sort of, improvements, massive returns, um, or, you know, just general words of, uh, experience and wisdom there. (laughs) Right. So here's an example of just understanding what Google is going to reward and what they're going to punish. There's been a long multi-year argument between argument that might be overstretching it debate, (laughs) spirited debate, uh, between conversation, (laughs) right. Between Rand Fishkin, uh, former head of Moz and, uh, and Darmesh, um, you know, co-founder of HubSpot. And it was about whether you should be putting your blog on a subdomain or a subfolder, right? And Google said, hey, you can do it on a subdomain. And Rand was like, we could do it on a subdomain. It's fine. You can do that, right? And then uh, Darmesh has been like, "Um, look, here's this example, this example, this example, this example, where using subfolders is outperforming subdomains. So look, I made the mistake of agreeing with Google and Rand and allowing some customers to have their blog on a subdomain because Google themselves said that's totally fine. And we have multiple instances where um, having it in a subfolder, so it's like leanlabs.com forward slash blog rather than blog.leanlabs.com, just making that one change unleashed growth what happens is is 
I, I know what Google says, but it's kind of like what what larger companies need to say. Like like Tesla Tesla needs to say some things, right? Whether that's a hundred percent how it works or not, but they they want the playing field to be viewed from this frame, and right. uh, and therefore they say it a certain way. Um, and, and maybe it's what they're working towards, but it's not what's true today. So like we learned some painful lessons. I learned this twice and I will never lose this fight again. It's like subfolder or I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> so like that's yeah. an example of an optimization for UX, not so much mobile, but that just it moved the needle yeah. so substantially. I'm talking about that one change was a 10x, a 10x. Which is crazy. It's like, you got to yeah. get some of that right. Uh, second issue. Um, the fact is, is that we, we, we started realizing that for our customers, we don't sell their product. We sell meetings. So if you can't demonstrate the value of the meeting, whether they buy or not, then we probably don't have good marketing. So it's a little bit less than a website optimization. It's more of a buyer journey optimization. Most of what I'm doing is I'm trying to demonstrate the value of a meeting. If you go to our sales pages, and go to our, you can go check them out. Uh, you don't have to book a meeting. Just go look. And what we're going to do is we're going to demonstrate the value of the meeting, not value of us. We're, we have literal testimonials of the of how valuable the first meeting was. Why? Because that's where that's where the friction point is. People are looking at them like, wait, do I really want to talk to a, to them? Is right? that going to be just a time? sales call? Yep. What am I going to get out of this? So we sell that. You got to recognize where the customer is in that journey. That's a that's a two x, a three x, a five x needle mover right there. Right. Another one we have is every time you make a claim, you need a proof point. You know, back it up. Right. So yeah. uh, we had a customer, um, uh, and I think I remember the months, but just give me just give me plus or minus one for latitude. Uh, and the deal is, is that in November they had they were trying to get their all of their competitors were on this particular review platform. They bought into it and they were paying quite a few thousand dollars a month for um, for you know driving pay per click from reviews into a demo. And the fact is, they had no reviews on the platform, but they were trying to drive the clicks uh, and. And what we did is we went in and we we optimized the uh, landing page just a little bit, right? But we also drove some targeted reviews that said some specific things that we anticipated would be the friction to a meeting. We got those reviews from some customers. Uh, and I think we only added, I think we added 16 reviews in 60 days and we got 3X, 3X the demos from that because we had proof that what we were claiming was true from customers. Right. So you got to put that in the right places. And then after that, we were able to 10x that uh, afterwards because we did further optimizations on the, the meeting booking page and we drove more traffic. Right. But but before that, have something that converts really well. Oftentimes we are just driving all of this ener energy into an underperforming offer. And if, if you get nothing out of that this episode, it's that you need to be performing at or above benchmarks. Otherwise, your competitors will be able to outspend you and you will lose, right? Yeah. But if you can perform above benchmarks, they be able to outconvert your competitors, then now you're, you're going to be able to have uh, to spend more to acquire a customer because your engine's working, right? And when you can spend more to acquire a customer, you can double your marketing budget when they can't. And that's how you become the growth leader in your space. 
Excellent. Well, speaking of benchmarks, um, we know you're a big fan of data and numbers. <laughs> I do, Everyone lo- on I our do team love the math. You, you yes. do love some good math. Um, so let's talk metrics for a little while here. Um, what are some key metrics that B2B marketers should be tracking when it comes to you know, their websites and how can they use that data to optimize their strategies? Right. So it is my opinion that in the innovative B2B SaaS tech space, you have a sales team and you are uh, and you are looking to drive a sales pipeline through your digital marketing that there are six metrics. OK, uh, and, and I'll give them to you. There's a small adaption of the traditional pirate metrics called pirate metrics for I'll tell you in a moment. But the first the first three are awareness, acquisition and activation. So awareness, driving awareness of your brand, the problems you solve, the things that you do, right? Acquisition, moving, basically getting marketing qualified leads, leads into your database of people that you would like to sell to. They're qualified, right? Um, And then activated leads are leads in your database that have raised their hand that said, yes, I would like to talk to sales. Right. Right. So those are all A's, A-A-A. And then, and then the next three are all R's. So uh, revenue, retention, and reputation. And the reason why they're called pirate metrics is you put A-A-A-R-R-R together. It sounds like a pirate. R, right? Arr. And the idea <laughs> is, is that uh, the revenue is being able to turn activated leads into customers. And then, and then what you're doing to drive retention is you got to get them a result and you got to document that result. And then you can have an attention, retention and ascension program. Marketing doesn't stop just because you won them. Now I need to win them into being a loyal fan. So it's part of your retention and ascension campaigns. You need to be coming back and and documenting the results you get for your customer. And you need to be asking them for ratings and reviews and referrals. And that's the last R, which is your reputation. So when you're able to to document the results you're getting for customers in the forms of five-star ratings, reviews, and raving fans sending you referrals... That's what you actually market. You market the results that you're getting, you know, and uh, and, and you're showing and you're marketing that to brands that are like them. So so you, you have your ideal customer, you get them a great result, and you market what you did and how you did it to other customers. Um, now all of that is a function of marketing, right? Because everyone is marketing now. It's not silos of just uh, you know driving traffic and leads. I think that's the critical mistake. Uh, and then, and then a different people who are responsible for sifting through those leads, uh, and figuring out which ones are qualified and activating them. And then a different set of people in the customer service department that are in charge of maybe getting retention ratings, reviews, uh, that is not the deal. This is all marketing. That's why we've transitioned from being a marketing team into a growth team, right? Uh, cause otherwise you're going to run into this problem. Marketing goes, sales mostly ignores us. Right. Sales goes, yeah, it's because the leads suck. Right. Customer service says we don't know what's going on and no one ever asks us for anything, but they sure uh, to, to be involved in anything, but they sure tell us what our job is. Right. And um, and the fact is, is that probably the number one metric for marketing is reputation. Right. Having those five star ratings, reviews, raving fan testimonials to go to market with those stories. Right. So what I actually suggest was while we have those six metrics, we actually work them from the bottom up. Let's have let's have indisputable evidence that we get great results for clients as the first marketing metric. Let's make sure that we're retaining and ascending our customers and have a referral program as the second metric. Right. Let's make sure we're closing all the deals with the leads that we have as the third metric. 
right? Because what's the point of tripling your leads if you're not closing the leads successfully with the with the leads that you have, assuming the, the qualified leads that you have, right? Uh, then how do I activate from my current lead pool, from my current audience list? For, how do I activate that? Then how do I get more traffic and leads once I have that right? right. Uh, for, for the company that wants profitable marketing and be able to double down, do it from the bottom up, right? From that funded startup that just wants to win, have one team doing it from the bottom up and another team doing it from the top down. You can go full, full attack. Um, yeah. so, so that's basically the deal. That's so smart. And it comes, it all comes back. And, and I know you know this, um, but it all comes back to that. You got to build the right engine, right? So if you're, you know, keep pouring leads into something that doesn't work, um, you know, you're, you're just going to be on a hamster wheel. <laughs> right. At the end <laughs> uh, of the day, for a long time. <laughs> we're talking about high traffic websites, but this blurs into the ultimate goal. The website is a component right. of the ultimate goal, which is a self-funding growth loop. How do you, how do you scale your marketing? You have marketing that pays for itself. Right. So right. if you haven't seen that, you can you can check out our videos on growth loops. Uh, but the deal is, is you, we need to set up where we have a growth, a growth engine and we need a result engine. And that's that blurring between marketing, sales and even product in order to make sure we're generating results that we're able to document and use five star ratings reviews to fuel our marketing with. So so it is uh and the website's goal is ultimately to be that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, quite happy to talk to you at 8.30 at night, um, salesperson that's out there going, oh, yeah, you're just getting started? Go here. You're probably struggling with this. We understand that. This is what we did to change the game. Does it work? Of course it works. Look at all these very recent Results that we've gotten for clients, results that are that our competitors are unable to match. That is the job of that high-performing website: is to bring the message that comes from these metrics into into the view of your target buyer, right? And, and if you're not winning with 500 uh, visits a month of your target buyer, I'm assuming you're getting your target buyer there. This small assumption, uh, then you don't need 5,000 and you definitely don't need 50,000 because all that's going to be is expensive. But, but if you can win with that 500 or 1500 visits that, you know, is your target market, right now you can go from 1500 to 50, 15,000 to 150,000. And I don't know what period we're talking about, but that's basically the deal. You don't scale it until it's profitable. Right. Got it. Yeah. Once you know it works, that's when you know that you're ready to put a little more gas in that engine. I love this. We've gotten some great insights already, but I'm greedy and I want to give our audience a ton of value here. So can, you mind if we do a little lightning round for just a few more quick questions at the Let's end of the wrap it. up? Let's go for it. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So I feel like anyone that knows uh, about website design and, and SEO, all of that stuff, you, you, you hear the word backlinks, right? So building backlinks is a, is a common strategy for increasing your traffic. What are some effective ways to acquire those high quality backlinks for B2B? Right. So uh, there's two basic strategies uh, to to buy it or to earn it. Right. So if you buy it, it's pretty straightforward. There are uh, I want to caution you. A lot of times uh, I have literally been the team that had to go and have a client pay me to remove shady, dodgy backlinks that someone paid for. So if you're going to do backlinks, I suggest overpaying if you're going to do the paid route, because otherwise those can literally do you damage. Google says you're trying to game the system and I'm going to slap you for it. Okay. But one way to do it is to pay for it. That is not generally our strategy. Right. Okay? 
what we tend to like to do is to earn it. So one of the biggest things that I did when I came into the HubSpot partner ecosystem in 2013, I didn't come into it for the software. I came into it for the visibility. They're like, hey, you've been a web shop for 10 years. We're launching this new COS. I'm dating myself. Uh, why don't you come in <laughs> and build on our platform and we'll let you blog about your results that you're getting. So I came into it for the blog. It was the number one blog. Why wouldn't I do that? So yeah, I bought some software as a way to have a marketing platform. Uh, we were getting 300 leads a month uh, the second month because that's when my blog post went live, right? Uh, and, I, and I built that into that. I, I made that affiliated relationship for the purposes of exposure, right? So backlinks come from being guests on blogs, uh, on, on blogs, being guests on YouTube channels, being guests on podcasts. They come from being interviewed in articles. They be become, uh, they come from getting your website reviewed on third-party websites that are very big and have high domain authority. Tip, 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 maybe start there. Um, <laughs> and, and you go to where your buyers are. It's getting mentioned in Reddit forums. It's, it's becoming a topic of conversation. The way you do that is you go to where, like, the, the target market is not a person. It's a place. Like yeah. think about it when you go to the market, you go to right. the marketplace. The literal so, market, yeah. <laughs> so the target market is a place. Now where is, is your target, where is your target buyer going to market? What is their marketplace? And that's where you need your links. And you go there and you either buy it or you earn it. That's the game. Yeah. Awesome. That's great backlink advice. I love that. And I also want to get some information from you on emerging trends. That's the last, the last uh, little insight I want to sneak in here. So uh, emerging trends, emerging technologies, what are the ones B2B marketers should consider? And uh, specifically, AI is the word on everyone's tongue, right? Chat, GPT, all these tools. Um, what are your thoughts on using AI to optimize, build whatever websites? Right. There's two ways this can go, but since we're in the lightning round, I'm going to keep it light. <laughs> so uh, the first thing is, is you got to be using modern tools, right? If you don't have a single source of truth where like sales, marketing, and the CEO can all see where we stand with your data, your content, your, your, your campaigns, your performance, your metrics, your deals, your sales, the value of a lead, the value of a customer all in one place, Marketing is going to be really hard, at least if you want to have it from a perspective of having ROI. So you got to have your tech stack right as a starting place. Okay. Um, Henry Ford said, and I and I'd like to pull up this quote, but uh, my little notes pad is not opening right now. But he says something to the effectiveness of, if you need a tool but you do not buy it, you will soon learn that you have paid for that tool yet do not have it. <laughs> right? Because you have yeah. paid for it in, in not getting the result that you needed, right? But yet at the time and the lack of results have have literally paid for that tool. So the first thing is, is just making sure that you're working on the right tools. Uh, and, and that is not having some clunk together, trying to uh, bridge together seven different free tools to make a website in 2023. Like you can go just pony up a little bit. There are some great platforms that you can base everything yeah. on, allow you to know what is working. Okay. Second component. Yes. AI. The fact is, is that it has changed. Um, generative AI. Uh, I don't believe that we're using it right yet. I think a lot of people are trying to use it to replace your job. I don't think that's the deal. I like IA intelligence augmentation because AI yeah. artificial intelligence is what's another word for artificial. It's fake. It's fake. Right? 
So like there's all sorts of artificial things that, that, that that's a deal. That's what, if you expect AI to do this for you, then I think that you're, you're expecting for fake intelligence, right? But, but now we do is like, if you can train AI on you and your customer and your brand, you can do intelligence augmentation and its ability to generate ideas, questions, uh, t- we have a couple of tools that we're using an outline optimizer. We always want to crush the outline. We have AI scoring the outlines because we trained it on our target customer and it's scoring the outlines before we do them. Uh, when we're doing scripts, table reads, blog posts, videos, any of that, we have a script scrutinizer does the same thing, right? Well, we have, we have content proximity tools like, Hey, take these ideas from SEO and tell us how related they are to our target customer who is problem aware. And it can score hundreds and hundreds of ideas in 22 seconds, which might be an all-day task yeah. for, a, for a person. So it's augmentation. It's taking the things that you can use and you can, you can take what you know, your intelligence, augmented by AI running through lots of tasks for you. Um, I would suggest that that is not optional. I would suggest that if you're not doing yeah. that, I'm not sure if it's six months or 16 months from now it's going to start to be um, you're going to start to see a gap in the market where you're, you're slower to implement than others because um, this is something that's going to be massively adopted. Now, right now, marketers are the kind of the front of the spear on this. I suggest you jump on it and at least start working with your network about what they're doing. That's actually working. Yeah. Awesome. That's great advice. This has all been great advice. Um, yeah. I thank you so much for joining me in this conversation, Kevin. I really hope our listeners enjoyed this episode. I think there's a lot of actionable stuff, some great examples that people can pull from and learn from and uh, build, you know, their own high traffic, high conversion websites. Um, Guys, thanks for listening to my rant. It was a lot of fun. I, I'll do that again <laughs> anytime. I like it. You're like, if this is what the show is, I'll come on more. No. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And also be sure to take a moment, rate and review on your favorite podcast application. And until next time, this has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Well, we've got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year.